Hi, and welcome to the Canadian Manufacturing Podcast. I'm your host, Sadi, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Uretsky, VP of Operations and Production at Allied Feather and Down. And we had a great conversation about a new bedding manufacturing facility that just opened up in Montreal. So without further ado, here we are. Thank you again for sitting down with me. Um, what was behind the decision to expand to Montreal? I know it predates the pandemic. I know it was sort of in the works and in the plans, but I'm wondering if you can just tell us uh, what went into that decision. Absolutely. So yeah, it has, it, it's been, uh, I'd say in the works for a couple of years that uh, we've wanted to get out and go to Canada and be in Canada and participate in the Canadian market. Um, you know, there's a lot of down jackets being made in Canada. There's a lot of people sleeping in Canada with bedding products. So it's a market that we've really wanted to, to try and get into. We've, you know, we've tried to, the, the export route from shipping manufacturing in the U.S. to going into Canada. But the issue becomes, you know, the, the transportation and logistics component. It allowed us, you know, the last couple of years, we've taken a really holistic look at our business and said, what are the strengths and weaknesses of our industry here as it relates to bedding and even down supply? what can we change here? And, and what we came up with is this concept of localized manufacturing and localized production, reducing lead times and, you know, which helps factories not have to place big orders and sit on inventory for however long they're going to need to use it over a period of time, but rather just just in time production and just in time ordering. And then there's the environmental component, right? Cutting down on logistics and steamships and, and trucking. Um, if we're closer to production facilities, then, you know, those truckers don't have to take full container loads, but rather smaller shipments are fine, even sometimes vans. So, you know, there, there were a lot of different components to what led us to start looking at, at manufacturing in this localized way. And then uh, getting into Canada, I think, was more of a specific people-oriented approach for us. Uh, our CFO, uh, Nate Haskolovici, is a... Uh, uh, native Canadian. He was born in Montreal. Um, and uh, Nate and I did go, go to university together in, in America. And, and so we became you know, close friends there. And, and I got to meet several other of uh, Nate's friends that he grew up with in Montreal. And um, we've developed lifelong friendships. It's been a place that I personally have always loved visiting and going to. Uh, I try to go you know, every year with my family and, and just, just so that they can go and see and and just you know, the, the nature that's available there is quite amazing. And then the seasons also are pretty awesome. So uh, Canada was certainly something that, that for us, there were just a lot, of, a lot of inroads that we just felt we really needed to, to clamp down on and, and take advantage of. So right before the pandemic hit, I would say uh, end of 2019, we did kind of do a fact-finding mission. We went to, to we started going to Montreal uh, identifying facilities that may be able to, to, to be, you know, good, right for us. And uh, we did identify a site in, in St. Michel with, most importantly for us is, is how is, how is the labor? How's the, are, are there good labor? Is there available labor? Um, is it something that we can improve quality of life while also, you know, still manage our business well? You know, the, the worst thing to do is to be hamstrung by not having enough labor. So you can, you know, Essentially, what I'm saying is you can build a, fa- a plant or a facility anywhere you want in the world, but if you don't have people to run it and to actually, you know, do and, and produce, you don't have anything. So what we found when we went there after talking to the people on the ground and talking to, 
you know, different management candidates and, and, and labor candidates and, and, and like mechanics, you know, uh, service providers. We found that everybody was just so willing to, to, to work and to do what's needed to get up and running. You know, we kind of took an approach of, of prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So when we were talking, this was even before the pandemic, when we were talking to like our potential service providers, our, you know, brokers and uh, plumbers and, and electricians, we said, look, there's going to be some really challenging work. Uh, we're bringing in machinery from all over the world. You're going to have to kind of customize electric panels for it. And, you know, plumbing wise, we're going to need airlines that change, you know, weird angles. And nobody said no. No one said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Everyone's attitude was very much, hey, if that's what you need, we'll get it done. And for us, hearing that, that was kind of all the vote of confidence we needed. We said, okay, this is the right place for us. This is the right kind of mentality that we want to be in. So we took the jump and, and we did it. I think we ended up closing uh, on the facility and buying our machinery right at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit, we had machinery on the water, uh, you know, shipping in from Europe and some from China and we had materials coming in and, and the, you know, the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And we were, we, we just had a series of very challenging conversations. Uh, that's really eye-opening. I have a really dumb question, but um, I think you could probably answer it quickly. Uh, would it have been more expensive to serve the Canadian market from the U.S. if you had not opened up the local uh, manufacturing facility in yeah, Montreal? Totally. Yeah, okay, totally. yeah, from, from a profitability standpoint, it, 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 it's very challenging, right? Because yeah. there, were, there are some suppliers of our, of our products in, Mon in, in Canada. Um, in Toronto and, and in Montreal and, and located throughout the, the country. Um, and, and we couldn't compete with them without, you know, losing money. Yeah. So uh, we can get, yeah. we could get our foot in the door, but then staying in the door comes at our, uh, you know, ability to keep our lights on. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it becomes very challenging. The shipping costs were hard. Um, yeah. The whole thing was hard. Also like the currency issue also becomes, becomes challenging, right? If I quote in U.S. dollar, and then there's a shift in Canadian dollar, and I'm receiving uh, U.S. dollar in Canada, it the the fluctuations in currency can often mean you know take my my built-in margin away from me. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I figured as much. Really I just want to clear that up. Yeah. You really you know to be competitive, to 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 really be a competitor and and to uh, to be a manufacturer that can offer a a partner good products, premium products um, at, at a good price. You need to be there. And also there's the, 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 the fact of like shipping products inside of a container, right? If I'm shipping a pillow inside of a container and let's say it's compressed, by the time it arrives to the customer, that's maybe 60 days later, you know, that, that's not a great product that they're going to receive. That's, that's likely something that they're going to get and be like, something is not great about this pillow. I'm not sure what it is. You know, pillows, you want them to be light and fluffy. If they've been sitting in a container for two months compressed, by the time you open it up, it's going to like unfold and like, it's not going to be, not going to be that great. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I had a chance to uh, look at the press release I was given and uh, it said that, uh, and you touched on it a little bit with uh, uh, the environmental benefits of uh, opening the facility in Montreal, less trucking and shipping emissions and things like that. Uh, but I want to ask you, uh, I also noted that it said that the uh, duvets and the, and the materials were also made with 
less harsh chemicals. And uh, what, what I'm wondering is uh, what kind of chemicals specifically are then used instead? When you're starting from scratch on a facility or on a product, it's a lot easier to, to put in the right protocols in place. It's a lot easier to design a facility from the ground up that has uh, a, facility, a focus on sustainability and uh, utility efficiency, right? Using less electricity, using less water. Whereas if you have an existing facility that let's say was designed and built 40 years ago, and then you need a kind of retrofit, you have challenges. So what, what this allowed us to do is really start from the ground up. And, and we have a, a lot of experience in in knowing what does it take to have a truly environmentally efficient and environmentally sustainable facility. So, you know, things like lowering your electricity usage by, by uh, changing your machinery or by putting, uh, you know, different lighting in, uh, things like that. Um, lowering water usage by using softeners so that the material doesn't need as much water to be processed. There's a lot of different uh, tricks of the trade that we've learned to, to kind of reduce water we don't necessarily utilize a lot of chemicals in our process. It's mostly like detergent, like soaps and that kind of thing um, to clean and sanitize. But over the years, you know, we've obviously taken a good look because that's our, we use a lot. We, you know, we wash a lot of feathers, a lot of down and, and you know, we, we wash a lot of textile as well. So over the years, we've taken a good look at, at what is it? What, what, what is in our detergent? And we've been able to kind of improve Every couple of years, we are able to, to improve our, our formulas and improve what we're, you know, push our chemical suppliers or our detergent suppliers, push them. Hey, we need better. We need better. We need more environmentally efficient. We need cut out things like fluorocarbons and APEOs, um, no, you know, palm oil, palm oil free, things that just, we don't want entering the water stream. So those are some of the specifics around chemical management. We have some innovations that we introduce as well to the market, such as like water resistancy or antimicrobial, antibacterial or uh, thermoregulating properties in products. And a lot of that is treated with chemical. So it's very important before you just go and tell a supplier, a chemical supplier, hey, I want this chemical that can do this on my textile or my down and feather, send it over. It's very important that you first ask, you know, I need to see, I need to see the MDS. I need to see the, what's inside of this material. I need to see exactly what what are we what are we going to put on our down, and then what are we then going to put into the waterway. So it's very important. We have we have you know two different staff members that work for us you know on a global scale in China and in the U.S. and Canada, you know reviewing all of our do all of the documentation around what we're using, making sure that it's meeting up with our RSLs, which you know our restricted substance lists. We do, you know we we maintain that very carefully. So a lot of that ties into our customers. A lot of our customers are this sustainably focused brand and, and, and their consumers, you know, they want to know that the brand of, of garment they're buying or the brand of bedding product they're buying or the retailer that they're buying this product from, you know, they want to know, is this product made with harmful product with harmful chemicals, right? So take Patagonia, for example, is a, a very long-term partner for us or the North Face or even Costco. The target buyer and the target demographic, they care. They, they care about what's in the materials that they're using. So it's a lot of conversations between us and the retailer, us and the brand in terms of, you know, hey, Allied, what are you guys doing? What are you doing to make sure of this? And 
does it live up to industry standard? And we say, yes, of course, we're, we're certified to different chemical standards. We participate in something called the HIG index, H-I-G-G, which is a uh, kind of reporting platform around uh, different, uh, it's mostly popular in apparel right now, but I believe it's gonna spread into the home industry very soon. It's a, it's a reporting platform where every facility gets a score. And it's not about scoring 100, right? No one's gonna score a perfect score, but it's about continuous improvement. You wanna have goals. You want to start, let's say you started with a 33%. You wanna be able to the next season, like, hey, let's push this up to a 40% as soon as we can, because that means that we have the right things in place that eventually will get us to a 60% down the line. So a lot of it is continuous improvement. And a lot of it is just working with partners and, and that's where transparency really comes into play. We want all of our partners and even consumers to know, hey, this is exactly what we're using. This is exactly where our materials are coming from. Uh, we've launched several initiatives like Track My Down, which tells uh, final consumers about where the down is coming from. Blue Sign Certification, which again is like just a total overhaul of our manufacturing process to make sure that it's all taking into account chemical compliance, uh, sustainability, social compliance, a lot of these things that we spend a lot of our time thinking about. Interesting. Okay. I'm wondering if uh, I could ask you if it's okay for you to share some of the, uh, I guess, the suppliers or distributors uh, that the manufacturing facility in Montreal would be servicing. You know, I, I believe there are some NDAs in place. Okay. So I, I can kind of reference broadly that we're servicing uh, one of the largest uh, garment manufacturers and brands in Canada. And on the betting side, uh, we're servicing a very large uh, retailer in Canada. Okay, yeah, no worries. Um, and then um, the other thing, I'm not sure if it was with the bedding or the garments, but um, uh, I know that Allied uses something that separates itself from its competitors in terms of its um, down or bedding and its keratin. And I'm wondering why keratin is used and what makes um, that use of keratin different or why, why is it an advantage? So... You're referring to down in general. I think you're referring to a beta keratin, which is similar to like our hair. Yeah. Down and feather is a, it has this beta keratin in it that allows it as a material and as a product to um, be compressed and open up. The keratin is great because it allows the down cluster, which is like uh, made up of a thousand of, thousands of filaments radiating from a central point. So imagine similar to like an atom, except much bigger, obviously, but like similar to like an atom, you have kind of like a central nucleus with thousands of little fibers coming out of it and attached to it. Each of these little fibers contain these nodes. And what happens is when you have two down clusters, the nodes interlock with one another. And once the nodes interlock, it allows the down cluster, the keratin to stand up and to kind of go straight. And then you have thousands of down clusters interlocking with one another, and it creates this big volume, which is perfect for a pillow. Uh, same thing for a garment. When you have it in a jacket, it puffs up, which, you know, you necessarily don't necessarily want a, a big puffy coat. But what you do want is you want warmth. And so the beautiful thing about down clusters is it traps air and it creates a, a really intensive heat that, that keeps people warm. Okay. Yes. Thanks for clearing that up. No, I, I, look, it's one of the benefits of, of down and feather in general. And it's kind of, you know, 
it, it is good. But but understanding the the kind of chemical makeup and 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 you know uh, you know what what makes up a, a down cluster and feather is very essential for a down supplier. Knowing how to make the best product possible, you know that that's something that we have been doing at Ally for thirty years. So there was the recent announcement of, uh, about the Buy American order. Um, about uh, you know making changing the rules a little bit, I think he said about how a company would qualify for the for the Buy American program, and they'd have to have I guess more, a more American presence and more of a local presence. I'm wondering if you saw the news and what I guess the Allied uh, what you thought so, of it. So yeah, so I think it sounds a little familiar to what Trump was trying to do. Yes, right. It it, it doesn't seem all that new to us. Mm-hmm. The issue is is the product we're making. You know, we have to buy raw materials, and those raw materials are not necessarily available in the U.S. So, where we can, of course, we buy local. For example, things like like law tags on pillows. You know, we're not going to import those; we buy them local. Woven law tags, we we buy those. Um, uh, packaging, right? We could buy we buy corrugate boxes, right? We buy all that local. Um, but there's not a lot of production of polyester fi- synthetic fiber. In the U.S., so we have to import that. Down and feather, right? Down and feather is a byproduct of the meat industry. So, ducks and geese are raised wherever people are eating meat. When when's the last time you ate duck? Not too long. Not so. Not not that. Not that recently. I bet. Yeah. Right. I mean, I personally, I can't eat duck or goose, yeah. but you know, um, rarely. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't even. I mean, I, I don't know. Right? In it's Montreal, actually, the last time I had it was in Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it it it's just not a very popular dish in North America, right? Whereas in Europe, it's it's seasonal, right? The same way that Americans have turkey on Thanksgiving, they may have a a goose or you know on on around Christmas time or around New Year's time. Um, in China, going out and eating duck or ordering a smoked goose is very much part of culture and it's done very often. So wherever people are eating ducks and geese, that's where they're raising ducks and geese. And that's where we buy the feathers from. In the US, there's very little duck production and almost no goose production. There's only one supply chain with goose in in the US. So it's like, we, we can't possibly, there's not enough down locally to only buy local for us to, to have anything to sell people in Canada even. You know, you have a very small colony of Hutterites who who can who can raise Hutterite uh, geese, and a very special animal and a very special material which comes from it. But it's just a tiny, tiny amount to, <laughs> compared to what Canadians in general use. Compared to all the, the the down jackets and down bedding that exists, there's not enough Hutterite geese to to feed that. It, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. So. Buy local is something we, of course, try to do, you know, uh, but it, where possible, you know. So, yeah. so Biden's new act, it it doesn't change much for us. We've always bought local where we could, you know. Even if we could save five cents a box by importing from China, well, that doesn't necessarily do that much for us because then we have to bring in full container loads of boxes, whereas maybe we only need a couple hundred for a program we're running. So it's better to just pay the extra couple cents, buy local and not have to store all this stuff in our warehouse. 
And then there's also the outlay of cash, right? You have a cash flow issue if you have to buy all these materials in bulk in order to save a little bit of money. Whereas if I just buy smaller amounts from local suppliers, uh, I, I don't I don't have to pay interest on money that I borrow. So there's a lot of different factors that play into buying local that you know we value, and where we can we do. That's that's for sure. That was very eye opening. This is really exciting. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you for um, sitting down with me today. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what you guys do in 2021. Yeah, down production and bedding production is actually like an awesome manufacturing uh, process because it's clean, right? A lot of times you'll go to manufacturing and there's just scrap everywhere and and or or you know if it's food process it's smelly and down production is is rather clean and then at the end you get a big fluffy pillow so <laughs> I, I i enjoy it and, and it's something cool to see there's some automated machinery state-of-the-art automated and then there's also labor intensive things which require a lot of integrate stitch work so it is cool and i really hope that uh one day soon we can we can host you in our factory and, and give yeah. you a tour yeah, you know, I would love that. Really but it, it, it's all good. Yeah, you know, you know, the pandemic is a challenge for everyone, and yeah. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you guys are uh, fighting through it. Awesome. Thank you again, well, Jonathan. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, thank likewise. You. Take care. A big thank you to Jonathan Yuretsky once again, and thank you all as well for listening. Stay tuned for other podcasts that will be published occasionally as well.